Chapter 7. The Path of Peace The morning traffic into Assisi was heavy and crawled alongside us. I glanced at the occasional car, trying to gauge people's reactions to our signs. I saw many looks of confusion and plenty of double takes. A few drivers honked in support and occasionally waved or gave us the thumbs up. Those early shows of support encouraged me to keep carrying the signs, for now. We wound our way through the maze of narrow cobblestone roads that made up the medieval town of Assisi, searching for a convent that we had been directed to. We were warmly received there and given ample accommodations in what felt like a desolate place. Anticipating the magical in this city of peace, Alberto and I decided to stroll around and be open to it. The dark clouds, persistent rains, and closed storefronts made our surroundings feel more ominous than magical. But we persisted for several hours before finally concluded the magical was not to be found there that night. With little else to do in town, we resolved to leave early the next day. We were surprised to meet another guest the following morning at breakfast, and more so to discover that she spoke English. Our conversation with this American woman moved very quickly into the realm of the personal, where she revealed that she was at a crossroads in her life, trying to determine her next steps. Alberto and I spoke a great deal about our respective lives, the choices we've had to make, and the rewards and the fears of following our hearts along this path of peace. She thanked us for our candor, adding that she believed our meeting was providential and that it had helped her. We are messengers, Alberto chirped once we had said our goodbyes to her and returned to our room. I didn't answer, preferring to occupy myself with the booklet she had given us detailing all the monasteries in Italy. Alberto, there are 50,000 liras here, I exclaimed. That's almost $40. I saw it when she gave us the book, Alberto replied. Why didn't you say anything? I accused. Well, she obviously didn't want us to see it then. He replied cautiously. But we don't need the money, I declared without thinking. Alberto gazed at me intently. We can use it for emergencies, he suggested. How much more am I supposed to concede? I silently screamed. First, calling on the church for help I don't need, now accepting money. I've gone from being an independent modern woman walking for peace to a poor pilgrim seeking refuge, all because of Alberto. I handed him the bills. Okay, you keep it. We packed our bags in silence and left the convent, speaking only to agree to visit the tomb of St. Francis before leaving Assisi. It was awkward. We found the tomb under the main basilica. It took a moment for my eyes to adjust to the dim lighting, but the intimacy of the place immediately embraced me. Few decorations adorned the natural stone walls, and as had occurred at the hermitage with Don Bernardino, the low domed ceilings made me feel as if I had stepped into a cave. It seemed the perfect setting for someone who spent so much time in them. Strangely, a part of me wanted to giggle. 
I had expected to feel solemn and respectful, and so was surprised by the happiness that swept through me. I felt the humility of St. Francis, a man who seemed to know his place in the universal order and who lived in harmony with it. Above all, sitting there, I felt peace. I pulled out a postcard that I had bought the day before and that bore the words of the peace prayer of St. Francis. In a voice barely above a whisper, I mouthed the words, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Tears filled my eyes. I felt the power of those words, inspired words that expressed so beautifully the state of being I longed for. Words that with each breath swept away confusion and created space for this peace to blossom. Alberto and I took a secondary road out of Assisi, finding the main highway simply too dangerous for walking. A sign along the path declared that we were now on the Franciscan path of peace, the path that St. Francis used to get to Gubbio, site of the legend of the wolf. I was amazed by this coincidence, and as we walked this path, I asked Alberto about this legend. Oh, it's probably one of the best-known stories of St. Francis, he explained. Let me tell you, it had been a harsh winter, and Gubbio was being terrorized by a wolf that often attacked the townspeople. St. Francis found the wolf in the forest and told him that he understood that he was hungry, but that it was wrong to attack people, offering to have them feed him on the condition that the wolf agreed to never again attack any animal or human. It is said that when St. Francis held out his hand, the wolf bowed his head and placed his paw in the offered hand by St. Francis. Brother Wolf went on to live in Gubbio among the people. He never harmed a living thing and even protected the town when it needed it. The people grew to love the wolf and deeply mourned him when he died. That's a really nice story, I remarked. I especially love the message that it conveys, Alberto added. Fear saw the wolf as a monster and kept the conflict alive. Love saw him as a brother in need and embraced him. Love is the greatest healer. I smiled at the almost childlike way that Alberto had of explaining things and at the same time, the true profundity of his words. The trail that day was splendid, leading us along gently rolling hills and through forests, 
orchards and olive groves, all lightly covered with snow. Despite the bone-chilling wind, a magical feeling pervaded the air that made walking almost effortless. It was a marvelous gift that I couldn't help but feel was given us by the saint himself. We continued the following day past Valfabrica, towards a hermitage that we were told was in the area. The day was long and the road lonely. I began to wonder if we were lost when once again we fortuitously came upon the Franciscan path of peace. Crunchy leaves replaced hard asphalt, the sounds of nature that of modernity. The setting sun cast a warm glow on the few leaves that were brave enough to weather the winter cold. I could see my breath and feel the sweat down my back, but was thoroughly enjoying our trek through these woods. But we finally saw it. A lovely stone building perched atop a simple plain with the surrounding hills and the fiery vestiges of the setting sun as its backdrop. We excitedly approached and knocked on the front door. An austere-looking man, dressed in black hooded robes, peered suspiciously at us. In the descending darkness, he looked downright menacing. I put on a smile, hoping that my face didn't betray my nervousness, and began to explain our needs. Are you Catholics? he demanded. Well, I was baptized in the Greek Orthodox Church, I stammered. I was raised in a Catholic family, Alberto responded amiably. Today, however, I have an open viewpoint and believe that all paths and all religions lead to one God. Yes, one God, but there is only one Jesus Christ, he retorted indignantly. I shot Alberto a cautionary glance, knowing that in the balance of his answer hung our fate for the night and whether or not we would be sleeping outside. Alberto smiled indulgently and in a conciliatory tone responded, Yes, there is. The priest's gaze barely softened at this response, and I wondered if he even heard that we were walking for peace. He marched past us, indicating for us to follow him to a beautifully renovated stone building near the hermitage. He opened the front door and turned on the lights. I stood in the rustic, spacious kitchen, marveling at the orderliness and the cleanliness of everything that surrounded me, especially the bathroom. We had heating and hot water, and the large bedroom was filled with single beds and blankets. There is food in the cupboards, the priest announced formally. Use what you need. He walked away before we could say anything, only to return with jars of preserves, bread, cheese, fruit. I no longer knew what to think of him and invited him to dine with us as a sign of our gratitude. I am a hermit, he affirmed, a hint of a smile emerging on his lips. I eat alone. But we've stayed with another hermit, and he ate with us, Alberto persisted gently. Really? he asked with whom. Father Bernardino, I responded. Bah! he choked out, waving his hands dismissively. He's not a real hermit. I hoped Alberto would stop insisting at this point because I truly felt no desire to spend more time than necessary with this prickly man. By the way, he said, clear, clearly trying to control his emotions and to sound pleasant, there are some books on the bookshelf that explain how to be a good pilgrim. I encourage you to read them.
Good night. He left once again, leaving us bewildered. Alberto and I poked around curiously, opening cupboards and drawers. In the bedroom closet, we saw clean, fresh-smelling sheets. Do you think he would mind us sleeping on the sheets? Alberto asked. I'm sure that's what they're there for, I replied, placing a set on the bed. He didn't say we couldn't. Alberto and I ate well that night, and under the warm, soft sheets and blankets, slept peacefully. In the morning, we made the beds, packed our clothes, and went to say our goodbyes. We found the priest in front of the church in a seemingly pleasant mood and thanked him for his hospitality. Did you sleep in your sleeping bags? he asked. We explained that we had showered and left the used sheets all folded on a chair. He shook his head angrily, his pursed lips and hard face showing his displeasure. He rushed to the gate, opened it, and stood aside like a sentry. I walked past him, grumbling a thank you. Alberto stopped in front of him and held out his hand. Thank you again for your hospitality, Alberto said with more warmth and humanity than I could possibly muster at that moment. It was barely perceptible, but the hermit's face softened. He returned Alberto's gaze and momentarily held it. His lips parted in a faint smile and he reached for Alberto's hand. You are welcome, he replied gently. I'm amazed at how nicely you treated him, I remarked once out of earshot. I've known many people like him, Alberto replied pensively. People who are trapped in their ideas of right and wrong, of how things should be. They often turned out to be wonderful human beings once I got to know them and have taught me not to judge so quickly what I see on the surface. It's not a lesson I've, mas I've mastered by any means, but I feel more compassion than anger towards them. Intellectually, of course, I agreed with him, but was finding it difficult not to have expectations of priests, because to me, their calling carried an obligation to help. I had judged this one and dismissed him when he didn't live up to my expectations, in the same way that he had dismissed us when we weren't the perfect pilgrims of his ideals. I admired Alberto for having the courage at that moment to seek that man's humanity, to connect with his heart, just as St. Francis did with the wolf. On the Franciscan path of peace to Gubbio that day, I renewed my resolve to see beyond appearances and act from that place of love.